Hello and welcome to the very special health edition of the unofficial unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. My name is Dan and this uh, rage and ballistic bunny sitting in, uh, well, virtually next to me but on the other side of the world is Rage Sarah. How are you, Rage Sarah? <laughs> you sound too happy to be Rage Sarah. This no, isn't working at all. I've, I've just got to say, I, I I fear that my today's podcast is just going to be me saying, <laughs> so, so your your role today could have been played by the monkey from Every Which Way But Loose. So I don't know if it's angry enough. <laughs> it was too cheerful a chimp. Okay, fair enough. Um, I guess as a as a massive shock to everybody, we're going to kick off talking about um, the excellent day, the epic day of racing that was the last stage of Euro Toscana. Deep breathing. So, dear listener, I'm going to try and keep this show to an hour because I don't think I can go. My blood pressure can sustain more than an hour of this. Sarah's so, actually got a team of doctors standing behind her with a crash cart and um, <laughs> and one of those electrocardio things to... Actually, I'm just going to get them to shock you halfway through the show. I'm just going to be like, shock Sarah now! <laughs> yes, um, so, once upon a time, dear listener, there was the Giro Toscana. Um, Giro, della Tosca- Giro della Toscana. This is a race set up by Brunello Fanini in memory of his daughter, Michaela Fanini, who died in, I think, 1996. She was a 21-year-old cyclist, Italian champion, Giro, de- Giro Donna winner. And she died when she was in a car accident when she was driving on the way to training. So he set up a team and a race in, in Michaela's name, which is fantastic. He's, you know, really good contribution to cycling. That's where I want to start. However, this race is somewhat known for chaos. Um, Helen Wyman was telling me on Twitter that in her first ever season as a pro, the riders complained about a nighttime crit and lack of security. So they decided to, um, to, to neutralize the last stage in protest. All but one rider who basically lapped the field and was racing <laughs> got yelled at by everyone in the peloton. The peloton stopped on the finish line, refused to go on any further, yelled at this woman. Um, they ended up neutralizing the stage, no points, and all the prize money went to the Amy Gillett Foundation. Uh-huh. But it's been, ever since then, been somewhat chaotic. And last year, the final stage of Toscana was neutralized mm. because... The riders were misdirected, traffic on the course, so-and-so-and-so-and-so. So they just decided to ride tempo altogether, um, having got off their bikes and Giorgio Bronzini yelling at the organisers for an hour, for half an hour in the middle of the race. And then at the end, Georgia finished as the winner, um, winner in inverted commas, and then got off her bike to go and yell at the organisers some more. She had words on her mind. So, you know, which does, it does happen from time to time. Uh, I, I think this is an important point too, because... Um, you know, and I appreciate that you actually took the time to to give the background and, and setup of the race, as it were, um, because it is important to remember that even in the midst of all the frustration that's generated, it it started from a good intentions and from a good place, and and um, you know, it's important to remember that that the people involved, even the ones making mistakes, are still people. That said, um, I think. It's also really interesting that part of the the now history of this race and what it's known for is that kind of chaos. Uh, and I think that's also a really another important factor coming into the events of this year's edition. Yeah. I mean, and, and it started off, I mean, I really liked, I've really loved, Marv Barris is a, um, a DS and he works for, in, I mean, it's all a, bit, all, all a bit confusing because he works for Cycling Australia as a DS of the road team, but he's also a DS on Orica, which is technically illegal under UCI official rules, I think. But I, anyway, I don't think it is because he's the Cycling Australia DS for national events, but that's not a full-time job, I think. No, no, he's, no, no. You're, you're technically there, there are all sorts of complicated rules about how they're supposed to be a gap between, you know, kind of... Okay. Well, Sarah, he's an Australian, so we all know that he would never break a rule. He's Canadian. He's Canadian, so we know he would never break a rule. Yes, exactly. So Marv Barris, he's a very experienced DS, and he's been giving us really good pre-race 
you know, pre-race information and post-race reports on the Oracle website. Please, please, I'll put links to them on our site, prowomenscycling.com. Um, go and listen, go and read them because he's very, very good. And he had this joking one after the first stage was a um, 2.2 kilometer nighttime prologue. And he started off somewhere in there going, I promised myself I wouldn't get angry this week. <laughs> <laughs> and that went out and the he, window. Well, well, he, the, the, the prologue started off, it's night time, 2.2 kilometres. It started late. Um, it was late anyway. Riders don't really like racing in the dark. I can't think why. But I'll tell you what else they don't like. They especially don't like racing in the dark when there's traffic on the course. Well, there wasn't any traffic on the course of the prologue. But there were pedestrians walking across because it was ineffectually marshaled. Pedestrians so are started... a type of traffic. I'm sorry, yeah. but technicality, yes. So it started off bad. And then stage one, there was tweets from people like Bart Hazen and other people who were there on the race going, holy shit, there's so much traffic in this race. Mm. And then it turned out that what Toscana were doing, because they're like doing this on the cheap, they were having, um, they just had two motorbike outriders. Hmm. And they decided to deal with this. So, so their solution was that if anyone was more than two minutes behind, they were by themselves and pulled from the race. Now, yeah. Um, and that's, um, well, two things. Um, I'm just going to use the technical terms because I think it's important to not be too heated here. That's fucking stupid and fucking dangerous. And illegal. I and mean, that's not a UCI rule. A UCI rule is not when you're in a race, you can, we can just decide not to look after you. Now, bear in mind, this is a race, this was a course which was, um, had, you know, that had a lot of, that had hills in it and there was going to be breakaways. And we know how the women's peloton race. They don't kind of, the chances of them all bunching together happily and then having a bunch sprint it just doesn't happen like yeah, that. Yeah, it's not like the men where they just put four or five guys in a group off the front and then all ride together until the end. It's, yeah. you know, it's way more aggressive, way more... And particularly because this is also the kind of race that does attract a lot of those... Um, I, I can't think of a different way to say it, but sort of second tier, like particularly the Italian teams. Like, it's an important race yeah. for them, and they're all there, um, but they don't necessarily have riders of the experience and skill level to be at the front all the time. You know, yeah. they're going yeah. to get dropped. No, and this is and this is the last stage race, the last European stage race of the year, yeah? It's the only point HC race on the calendar, which is the newly introduced highest category, um, all category um, race. Um, but it's not, um, but, and it's also, for riders who are looking, who've been on their long lists for their team, national, world's team selection, it's their last chance to say, hey, look, I deserve a spot in the world's. Yes. So it's there's a lot riding on this. So anyway, so cars on the road, cars on the road, lots of dangerous cars on the road. Riders feeling really pissed off. Um, Annemiek van Vleuten blogged that she was misdirected with a bunch of people. You know, a front group whizzed off. She and a couple of other riders were misdirected, and then but then they were riding through open traffic with their with no support. Get trying to get back onto the course. Lost loads of time. Loads of traffic on the course. Hell on earth. So Ooh. stage one. Yeah. Now. Marv said that he went before stage two to go and complain to the organisers. And other people, went, teams and riders, went to complain on the organisers because what you don't want, when you just describe traffic in a race, I mean, some people were talking about this is like the same as you're riding down a road and, you're, and, and there's traffic on it. That's not what it's like. It's not like going for a nice, you know, it's not like harden the fuck up, I ride yeah. in traffic all the time. This is a peloton. You're riding all the way across the road using both lanes. You turn a corner and a car hits you. Yes. That's what it's like. And, and it's that's the thing. Or, like, or a car comes out of the, or, or, you're, or you pass a side road at a junction where, you, where normally you'd have to give way. Hmm. The cars are, and, and a car just streams down and crashes into you because they've not been stopped. Exactly. This, and we see it all the time in men's races where they're televised because the, the traffic management's done properly. You know, riding through red lights, riding through stop signs because you're in a race. It's not, you know, it, it's a different setup. Legally and and literally. Um, also, on top of that, riders are you know in the midst of for their job a, a period of high intensity and high focus on the race. They're not yeah, yeah, supposed yeah. to be worrying about oh shit, I've got to check side streets, I've got to pay attention to stop signs. You know, those aren't thoughts that are meant to be in their heads. 
the thoughts that are meant to be in their heads are managing their power output and uh, writing to team tactics and and executing a plan for the race. That's what they're meant to be focusing on. Not, holy shit, where'd that truck come from? I'm going to die. Yeah, yeah. So then stage two happened, and Marv said in his report, he went to the race organiser, they said, oh, yeah, yeah, we're aware there's a problem. And that was it. And he said he, he didn't actually have any words. So then stage two happened. And stage two is more of a sprinting race. And in general, in the sprinting races, you're trying to go off. But in Marv's report and in loads of other people's report, this is not just one person complaining. This is like all over Twitter, all over blogs. If you looked mm. at anything that came out of any riders or team, I mean, except for there's, there's, you know, some teams didn't mention it in their team reports because, you know, they don't want to make the race sound shit, you know, like, and, and I can take, I can appreciate that. To a certain extent, yeah. and, you know, I can, but I can understand it. I don't agree with it, but I understand it. Anyway, so Marge report, he was saying, you know, at one point, riders were too scared to go around corners because they didn't know what they'd expect to see. Mm. So what mm. happened was, so basically, they went, "Fuck this! We're just going to have a bunch of sprints." Yeah. So stage, um, stage. So the prologue had been won by Mariana Voss. The stage one had been won by Georgia Bronzini with Rossello Ratto in second and Voss in third, with a really fantastic fight all the way up to the end. This is the stupid thing as well. This was amazing racing. They were basically you've got a small bunch, you've got a small group of elite riders who are riding the fuck out of each other and attacking Voss and attacking Bronzini and Bronzini. You know, they simultaneously are trying to drop Voss. And they're trying to stop it getting to a bunch sprint for Bronzini. Super mm. clever riding. Yeah. Voss wins the bunch sprint in, in, uh, in um, stage two. But at the end of stage two, they're piling to the end because of the traffic issues. They come as a bunch sprint. And at the end, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe this. At the end, right at the end, in Ooh. the end zone, sprint, 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 sprint. I, I think before you actually, maybe maybe we should come at it the other way, Sarah. Maybe we should pause and ask everyone, if you were going to be photographing the end of a stage or a race, where is the worst possible place you could stand? Yes. And, you know, what might happen to you if you stood in the wrong place? Mm. Might you, by any chance, be hit by Chloe Hosking coming full force at you. Me, and, full sprint, you know, like seriously all out trying to win, like ouch, ouch, ouch. Someone said on Twitter, so basically someone said on Twitter, oh, well, Chloe should have used her brakes. But the thing is, you, it's not just a case of, oh, look, I'm the front sprinter and I'm sprinting to cross the line. You then need to get out of the way of the entire fucking peloton that's coming yeah, behind you. Exactly. What? I mean, there's a whole horde of people sprinting. It's not like she's out there on her own. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, so what happened was a um, a, a, journal, a TV journalist leapt off her motorbike to try and get some video footage and got crashed into by Chloe. Chloe, through some kind of miraculous thing, was... Was was, comp was was got away with bruises and cuts and feeling uh, terrible. I, I have a theory about that. Actually, I worked it out. Chloe is part cat. <laughs> are you? Are you saying? She's, I thought she was more of a dog person myself. Well, you know, are you she's got. Are you saying she's got sprinter's reflexes? I'm saying cats and dogs can't get along in certain environments. You so know, so you're saying so... that basically Chloe Chloe just landed on her feet. She is just that amazing. That's, yes. She is a bloody good sprinter. So, mm, you know, mm. she is really good bike handling. There's a very funny, years ago, she used to write a blog, Dear Chloe, Please Blog Again, where she talked about how her dad used to take her down the park and basically teach her all the kind of track sprinters, you know, techniques and tricks. Awesome. <laughs> I think it's basically some 10-year-old girl being with her dad trying to knock her off. And trying to <laughs> I uh, I think yeah I, I'm actually like just going hmm nieces this could be interesting <laughs> anyway so so Chloe hit the hit the journalist the journalist is taken to hospital now I read CJ Farkerson's mm. thing on this on womenscycling.net and CJ very very angry yeah, CJ's yeah. A and, and again I think that's another thing like there are so many parts of this story that are important to note for various different reasons but CJ's covered this race many times and has seen the you know the chaos that you can almost recognize as just that background level that you sort of expect at this race because it's got that reputation and yeah. to read uh, her blog on on this stage 
I mean, I could almost visibly see her trembling with rage through the words on the screen, you know? It was just... Yeah. She said that she said that what had because she said she complained about it already after stage one because there were all sorts of unauthorized people getting into the end zone. Mm. So, um, and she said that she'd actually yelled at. I mean, CJ, she's a bit blunt. She's um, <laughs> I don't know if she actually is Australian, but she's lived in Australia for many years. She's a good. She's one of your speak your minds type people. I think she's amazing, but she's a scary woman, and I mean that in the best possible sense. Yeah. <laughs> so CJ yelling at you. She said she actually dragged up. She said there was a cameraman who wanted to be on his knees in the sprint finish zone to record it, and she yelled at him. And then there was another experienced photographer who was on his knees, and she literally grabbed him by the scruff of his neck and dragged him out of the way of the peloton. So. I mean, by this time, they're very, very angry. The runners yeah. are very, very angry. Stage three is less traffic, but one of the reasons for that is because the route goes, the route is a hilly stage. You know, the route goes over over mountains and stuff like, you know, mountains and stuff like that. So they're all angry about this, exchanging emails. And so before the final stage, stage four, the riders want a meeting with the race organisers. Now here, I really recommend you read Marv Barris's report about this because Marv, again, he's been at this race many, many years and he talks and describes it that basically they sent riders' representatives in and they had Elisa Longo-Borghini, who was kind of the, the spokeswoman for this because she was the um, She's the Italian, Federa- the Italian Cycling Federation. Yep. Um, sorry, she's the Italian Cycling Union's represent- representative there. And Mariana Voss, who was in the in the green, in the in the jersey, you know, in the, in yep. the leader's jersey at the time, um, and also is a representative on the UCI Athletes Commission, and, and Georgia Bronzini, yep. Yep. who's a two times world champion, and Noemi Cantile, who's a very um, very well respected, long career Italian star. Mm. Now, that what I really love about this is this protest, and all of this has been fronted by. Italians. Yep. Some people have suggested, you know, there's the American Women's Cycling Association. Some people have suggested, oh, that should have been done by, you know, maybe they had a role. Is it no? In an Italian race, the Italian riders have a have a role. Yeah, and and in know, the in the absence of an overarching international professional riders union, you know, absolutely, that's the that's the best place for this effort to have been led. Yeah. So, yeah, and you know, and and also, it means a really big. It means a much bigger thing because, you know, Giorgia Bronzini really would like to win in Florence. So would Elisa. You know, mm-hmm. all the Italian riders. Voss is in the in the Maglia Rosa. Annie Johansson's about thirty eight seconds behind her and also supporting it. So they go into the meeting, and at the meeting they have the police and the and 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 the and the organisers mm-hmm. and the Enough. UCI officials. And Marv said. They wanted the riders to stand in the middle of the room. He said, I've never seen a kangaroo core, but that's what I think it would look like. Yeah, yeah. You know, when did you last see your father? And it's, and all sorts of interesting... I mean, it's it's interesting because bear in mind this is Marv's approved by the Orica PR, <laughs> cleaned up for public consumption reports. <laughs> Are you suggesting there are parts that I may need to translate into true Australian again? <laughs> yeah. It's fine. It's fine. You know, um, we've got two more police motorbikes today, and we'll have more people standing on the roadsides and on the junctions because you know, marshals on the junctions is where it. You know, fuck. Well, and so, yeah, and it, so, it's very interesting because I, I think just quickly, um, uh, it's interesting that that was considered a solution when uh, one of the key things, as Sarah said, because you know it was presumably cost-saving efforts. There were fewer. Um, support riders like in terms of police motorbikes and stuff but one of the issues was that um, because they had fewer riders uh, like moto riders stopping traffic the the police that were bothering to give hand signals would stop vehicles but then as soon as they moved on the cars would start up again yeah and and so there was traffic entering back into a live race between bunches and stuff like yeah, that, I mean, you know, I, I, and, and it was just, it, it, it's nightmarish. Um, but the other aspect of it is what they call the traffic envelope, is it? Or something like that, where basically that's how far in front of the lead group that the front police moto riders ride to clear yeah. traffic. And because, again, of resourcing, that was much shorter than it normally would be. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. I, I, 
I've been to races. I went to, you know, I went to Flesh Wallon in the team car with high tech. I went to Omnip Noiseblad where I was standing at the um, roadside. I've been to Turingen and I went to Luxembourg. And you can see what happens. So you're standing by the side of the road or even the British National Championships. The out, first outrider comes with a siren. Another outrider comes. People come past and stop the traffic and they explain to the traffic. And this is like in, in a British road, you know, in, in the British Nationals, for example, just on one stream, on side, one side of the road with the traffic on the other to stop it, to, you know, to, to stop it going past. But it's important to keep doing that because, as you say, more cars come out. Anyway, big arguments, big rows. And, the, also, and it feels like all sorts of unfair pressures were brought to bear on the peloton. By reading between the lines, the name of Michaela Fanini was invoked as a reason that they should ride. Mm. Also, like disrespecting her, her name. Yep. And, and that. The other bit that leapt out at me was um, sorry, absolutely agree with that. That's, you know, I mean, I can understand, um, you know, because of the direct familial relationship, that's going to be a huge emotional issue. Um, yeah. But it, it, it's it's just not appropriate. Particularly, you know, one of the great sort of not funny ironies is that, you know, the race is in her memory because she died in a car accident. And and we've got vehicle safety, you know, vehicles on the, the, the courses being a huge problem with rider safety in the race. Um, but I also the the other one that really leapt out at me was that after you know they'd had the the three ladies in the middle of the room, they well to me it read as basically demanded that Elisa go into a separate room to yes. talk to them further, and you yeah. know to me that's like oh we'll pick the young one, single her out, and really put the screws to her to try and get this turned around. Yeah. And her DS said no and went with her. And, and mm. I mean, and, and also, I mean, I don't know if <laughs> Elisa, <laughs> Elisa's not a shy and retiring little flower. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> she's, you know, she's a, she's a, she's, you know, she's deliberately, Elisa's, Elisa's, last year she was the only Italian rider in the peloton who wasn't in an Italian run team. She deliberately went, wanted to go to an international team where she can, you know, where she's not English, you know, English isn't her first language. She has so much strength of character. Yeah. You know, her mum's a former, her mum's a former um, Olympic skier. Her dad's a, a former bi a cyclist and, and mechanic and her brother's, um, you know, her brother's a, a rider for Cannondale. This girl has been brought up to be tough as nails, but also has been brought up knowing exactly what a, what a sporting life would be and what sacrifices she'd had to make. Her mum didn't want her to be a, 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 to be a pro to be a pro sports person because she thought it was too hard a life. Mm. You know, yeah, she's a tough cookie. So the other thing that was said to them, suggested to them, and that's suggested in the race's own statement. I'm not making this up. This is suggested in the race's own statement that basically, if they protested like this. The race they wouldn't they wouldn't have a race next year. Mm, mm. Which again, you know, it's it's kind of like you know that's like one of those things where it's like if you don't let me keep punching you in the face, then I'm not going to let you come over and watch my TV. It's like well, you know, I, I can get up, I can watch other TVs. I don't need to be punched in the face to see one. You know. But this is, I mean, and even though, and you know, and there is an issue with races disappearing off the calendar. But, you know, what they're saying is you should put up with shit. And, and Marv said he'd heard someone say, look, the conditions are good enough for women. Yes. Oh, oh, yeah, good Lord. That was the moment when I was reading it that my head just sort of semi-exploded. Um, yeah. I, I just, you know, like, I, I, I don't think I could actually be a functioning person around races like this because I'd just go, I would have to go find a bat of some sort or a fence paling, and come back and just wail on whoever said that. You know, <laughs> just, you know, hey, this bat's good enough for women. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, actually, no, that sounded really, really bad. Sorry. Yeah, Dan, yeah, I think, I, I don't think Dan would ever do a piece of violence like that. I think he'd just want to. Um, so anyway. Let's, I'll, let's I'll edit that bit out. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do that anymore. Um, so the upshot of this is that, is, is that most of the riders went away and said, actually, we still don't feel safe. This isn't good enough. The UCI officials have said, hey, yeah, this race is fine. And this is the other thing is knowing how a, a, one of um, a, a, a good person on Podium Cafe, Andrew P, went to the UCI rules. 
Mm. And basically, the UCI rules say that after every race, a, commission, a commissaire's report is given to the UCI, and any issues that have been raised and that have been addressed, uh, that have appeared in the race, um, the UCI will, will, you know, will ask for action to make sure that, that, that these issues are going to be covered before the race is, is allocated UCI status in the future. Yes. So, you know... And, and it, I mean, this is the other question that we've sort of been asking ourselves and each other, and and I, well, even the UCI, not that they'll ever answer us the whole way along, which is how the fuck did this race get HC classification when it's got a known history of problems and safety concerns associated with it, and there is a written process in the current UCI regulations whereby this race should have been reviewed and according to these same regulations actually classified down not up yeah yeah but well you know what you know my 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 bad joke about this don't you well you'll have to narrow it down for me you you say Um, it as if you've only got one bad joke um, you know H- you know what HC stands for, don't you? <laughs> yes, I do remember this one. That's a good joke. Don't undersell that one. That's like your good joke. So, so yeah. HC has cars. <laughs> Which what I love is um, Misi Clismo, who um, who writes for and possibly runs the Spanish site um, um, El Peloton. Um, he 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 tweeted it as well. Um, he he tweeted he tweeted it, and it's really good because in Spanish that means um, I coches. So you know I coches. So you know it works in English and Spanish. I'm particularly happy with yeah, that. No, Sarah's so, yeah. Sarah's very proud. She made a bilingual joke. Everybody, yay! <laughs> yay! <laughs> Uh, life um, achievement unlocked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the race so hard. So basically, most of the peloton stepped out of the race and said, "Fuck it, we're not racing." And this had um, Rabobank, who is leading the race, uh, Orica AIS, who are, who is second in GC, uh, Sengers, who had Anna van der Breggen, who is mm. third in GC. Uh, Wiggle Honda, who George Bronzini wasn't there, Bowles Dolmans, um, Specialised Lululemon. Basically, all the big teams decided not to race. And, and I um, think be- this is... And, and, Italian, and Italian team B-Pink. Yep. Now, and I think then... that list is ridiculously important in the story because the truth of it is, at the end of the day, as outsiders, none of us who were not there can fully understand or appreciate the level of safety or lack thereof that riders felt but it is incredibly telling when the world's best women's cyclist who has deliberately ridden a lighter road calendar than normal so that she could spend time on the mountain bike and probably really wanted this race not just because she loves to win everything but to build her way into good form for worlds you know decides that, no, it's more important to protest the the organisation and the lack of safety in the race. That the woman who, for the first time in seven years, has unseated Mariana Voss from the top of the UCI rankings and is coming second in this race, says, no, it's more important to protest the organisation and the lack of safety thereof. That eight of the top ten riders from the GC competition are like, no, we're not riding, it's not safe, and this is really really serious and has to be taken seriously yeah 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 and you know and 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 in the face of threats in the face of all sorts of things they do not take this lightly mm. this isn't this isn't some political stunt this isn't yeah. anything this and is, this, this is, is this is this one is of the, the other things thing- that i've seen i've seen people mention is you know some people have gone you know couldn't they have done a different kind of protest you know um just neutralize the stage or or this or that or the other and um as as someone on podium cafe because sarah's written a couple of really great comprehensive articles on podium cafe we'll have links to them and please do go read them that put all of this in timeline with comments from uh writers and tweets and and bits from mars blogs and all of that sort of stuff um where you know pointed out that in in just this year we've had you know as much as we love the energy voc tour they did have a stage where they had some traffic problems we had mm. the the absolute debacle with uh Roussillon Languedoc uh cancelling 24 hours before the race was due to start but then suddenly being back on and then you know where not knowing where people stay and just being a woeful mess and, and also possibly unsafe, which we and, and a sit down and Rabobank pulled out of. Exactly, in protest. So two teams pulled out of that in protest. And also the riders who were there held a sit-down protest at the start of 
uh, I can't remember which stage it was, but one of the stages to... Stage one. Yeah, uh, makes sense. Um, you know, to, to express their dissatisfaction. And those events, outside of people who already pay attention to women's cycling, got basically no press. Oh, but you remember, there was one worse. There's one worse than that, Dan. The Vuelta El Salvador. Oh, uh, yes. Yes, yes, of course, when you've got your team time trial going on and, uh, and cars just go roaring through the course. Yeah, and, and hit. The, there's a video which shows that, I think it's one of the Colombian teams, riding along, a car comes through a junction, which it had every right to, there's no one stopping it, it has its right of way, and hits an entire team time trial team. Mm, mm. I mean, exactly. And, and this this is, you know, now in the scale of uh, a much bigger problem than any one race. I mean, obviously, yeah. we've now just rattled off uh, three slash four races that have varying degrees of issues that they need to deal with. Um, and And that's, you know, I guess relevant to those specific organisers. But clearly, there is a much bigger problem with UCI oversight and administration and, you know, enforcement of the regulations that already fucking exist, is but what also, gets me. Dan, but also, what, what good would a riding tempo neutralising a stage make? Because last year, they, the same yep. final stage, the exact same route, yep. they, you know, they, they neutralised the final stage. Yep. What impact did that have? Yep, and and this is this is one of the other things that you know. Uh, just to take this Sorry, point, let me just let me just have <laughs> let me just have someone administer a calming injection <laughs> yeah, into yeah. me, or or just a shot of electricity just to settle you down, because <laughs> 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 that's how bad it is. Electricity actually settles you down. Um, oh. th this is the thing that really really shits me uh, in terms of the the coverage side of it is. Um, and I th I thought that was a very astute comment, and I think it's actually right on the money because. Um, even now, with what has happened in this race, and this is probably the biggest story in women's cycling of the year, you know, yeah. honestly, um, in terms of, you know, the risks and the dramatic and drastic action undertaken by the vast majority of the peloton in protest of their lives being put in danger recklessly. And, and that's really what it is. Someone's made the decision that their lives just don't matter. Um, yeah. And even now... This story is not getting a lot of attention, and it's no, it's I mean, really giving me the shits. I actually uh, tweeted earlier this week something really sarcastic at um, the SBS uh, cycling online editor because I was that pissed off that they've basically ignored the entire race, but then also ignored this this whole matter, and yeah. I, I just. You know, to be honest, like, I do try, I, I watch SBS's coverage, I read their articles, I do try to be supportive, but honestly, like, fuck you guys. Like, really, because cause this is too important, and if it was the men, everyone would be jumping up and down and making a huge fuss about it, because it deserves it. You don't put people's yeah. lives at risk to run a race. You just don't do that. You know what I really liked? I mean, he's my favourite, he's one of my favourite men's cyclists anyway, but Taylor Finney was, <laughs> tweeting outraged, was tweeting outraged tweets about it. Yes. Because he said he'd been at the prologue and, it, and the prologue wasn't good enough. Mm, mm. You know, and he's a guy, he's there with Connie Carpenter, obviously the, you know, the, the first Olympic road cycling yep. champion. He's his mum and, and they know this shit. He knows that yep. this shit would not fly, and he knows how dangerous it is, and, oh, mm. fuck. Anyway, and and so, he's also, I, I just have to acknowledge, he's also a, a genuine fan of women's cycling in his own right. Dig Taylor, definitely. Yeah, I, I'm, cool I'm particularly having a swoon some time about Taylor. <laughs> yes, Sarah's, Sarah started a Twitter romance with him, so, you know. <laughs> true he's too young for me but no, I, <laughs> no you're just sending of, him things in foreign languages to to interpret for you no i said on twitter could anyone help me translate some 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 italian and taylor finney tweeted oh, me right. and said, yeah, so, I, so he was seducing you i get it okay and then he said and then he said um then he said then he said oh yeah that's that's what i think it means and my mum agrees oh my god Connie carpenter knew i existed for him. <laughs> so you're I'm actually it. swooning that he introduced you to his mum <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, shit. oh this is this is how weird stalking starts isn't it <laughs> um anyway so now what i do want to say is now not all the peloton withdrew yeah mm. and a lot of riders didn't and and obviously this caused a lot of bad feeling amongst the pe amongst amongst the peloton and some sections of fans because 
But I just want to make it talk about that for a little bit because not all the peloton did race. And actually, some teams, so you had some teams who said, right, yes, we're agreeing, we're not racing. Yep. Then you had other teams who said, well, we'll give you a choice about whether you race or not. So for Pastazara, for example, Giada Borgato, who was the um, national champion last year, decided not to race, and other team, teams did. But some teams did, and that included the American team Tibco, yes. whose Claudia Hauschler was fifth in GC, and they decided to race. And a lot of Ita- and a lot of Italian teams decided to race. Now, what I found quite heartbreaking was after the race, and especially I think after people understood the impact, Barbara Gurishi, who rides, I th- who rides for one of the smaller Italian teams, tweeted that she was so ashamed for having to ride, but she didn't have a choice because it was her team's decision. Mm. And I have. No, ju- no bad judgment, no bad feelings for riders who, um, you know, no negative. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be bad about judge riders who felt that they couldn't, you know, they couldn't, that they had to do this, you know, because actually, if, um, if, um, uh, what's the word for it? If, uh, if a rider's team says um, you've got to ride. Yep. Uh, you you don't have them that much choice. You know, if you're a rider who, if they're paying you anything at all, you need to pay your rent. Yeah. If yeah. you're a rider who you haven't got a, a contract for next year, and you know, no one's been looking out for you, and the team, you know, what can you do? You just you're not you don't have a choice, and that really upset me. That there were clearly some teams and riders who didn't have a choice, who didn't want to ride, and who didn't have a choice. Yeah. yeah. Then there was other people who said well you know i think it's really shit that people didn't stand together and oh god daniel freeber the the, the journalist freeber i yep. didn't i don't know much about this but you know they shouldn't have protested if not all not everyone was involved was 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 willing to protest now that as if that somehow if as if that somehow makes the protest less valid or well, whatever you know what yeah. One of the teams in here is Michaela Fanini, uh, Michaela Fanini Rocks, yeah? An Italian team run by Brunello Fanini, who's organising the race. The Michaela Fanini team is never going to pull out of this race, yeah? If they're the only team that ride it, they're going to ride this race, yeah? Yep. Because, you know, I mean, the race organiser is not going to say, oh, yeah, that's fine, go ahead, protest mm-hmm. us. It doesn't work like that. So they were always going to ride the race. So there was never going to be a hundred percent agreement, and and that was one of the things Manella Canberra said. Because you know I, I I put an article I put an article out on Friday, and I'd emailed the UCI on Friday to ask for a statement about the, the, the about the general disaster of the race. And then on Saturday I was writing a um, a piece for Podium Cafe, and I was collecting. I wanted to collect statements from all sides and, and Manel got in touch and said can you publish a statement for us which you know I was really happy to do so um and Manel you know Manel was saying well you know I would have if I, I only wanted to pull out if everyone pulled out and I'm like well I take your point mm. however no that was never going to happen I public and so it ended up with Al Audubianic won um won the stage with all six Michaela Fanini riders as the first six riders, which you know basically means it's a neutralized stage anyway. And yeah. you know, and and a lot of a lot of Italian riders did have very mixed feelings about this. They yeah. do want to protest a safe race, but they also want to honor Michaela's name because you know they're they're very family or you know, it's a very family oh, federation. Yeah. And and look, I'm sure we would have you know the same high levels of emotion you know if we had a, a race here uh, in in. Amy Gillett's name, you know. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, exactly. You know, and, exactly. and don't want to take anything away from the importance and significance of that at all. But, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, it, it is right. These things don't exist in a vacuum. And I think it is really important to um, not get sidetracked from the real issue. You know, like yeah. the, the who protested, who didn't protest thing really doesn't fucking matter now that the no. protest has happened. You know, no. what happens, what's, what's important is why they protested what they yeah. want changed and what we're going to do about it yeah and and that's the thing is and it also doesn't matter whether it was where, you know it was the majority of the peloton decided not to ride it doesn't matter whether that was all but you know whether that was like you know 51% or 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 99% honestly, the protest is valid honestly the first person who actually says that the the um protest wasn't valid because not everybody um you know participated 
The first person who can actually then go on to name the two riders who were in the top 10 that did race, I will pay attention to. Until then, they can just shut the fuck up. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. anyone who's saying that really doesn't know enough about women's cycling anyway. Right. So, so Hauschler won, and Claudia Hauschler, she won the GC, but she said, she said, because she sent me a statement too, which, you know, I was so happy, I was so honoured, do you know what I mean, there mm. is something, I don't, I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm blowing my own trumpet, but I was really, really honoured that, that, that Manel and, and Claudia, Claudia chose to, you know, chose to ask me to publish their, their you know, to publish their statements, but it also pisses me the fuck off, because they're sending it to me, because, because I'm the, me- you know, my homemade media, my blogging on a fan site is the most, is the most, you know, a- apart from the Italian site, you know, apart from the Italian sites that, you know, Cyclo Web did a brilliant job on this. But, you know, mine was the most comprehensive Coverage. reporting on this. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I know a couple of journalists got onto it on Monday and shit because they'd, you know, they, they realized it was a story and here's a, you know, here's a story to write about. But, you know, fuck, where were you? When on Friday, when it was fucking clear from three days of tweets and race reports, it was everywhere. Mm. Where were you on Friday when, mm. when, when it was you know when we could have when when talking about it could have helped the riders. Yep. You know. Yep. Or or at the very least, you know, uh, presumably these people actually do get emails and phone calls to the UCI returned. So you know, I mean, I, I, I've, I've emailed, I've emailed the UCI twice about this. I've emailed um, the general. I mean, uh, what? Why do I even bother emailing the general side? But I've also, um, I, I was Anne Samplonius, one of the uh, Canadian writers, sent me the name and email contact detail of yep. someone on the UCI who's quite nice. So I've tried emailing him. You know, you'll, I, you'll, <laughs> you'll be shocked to hear this, Sarah. I know you'll be shocked. Maybe you should sit down, brace yourself. But I tweeted Brian Cookson, and I haven't heard back from him either. So. Yes, like, um, we are going to have to hurry because we've got 20 minutes left, Daniel. So, <laughs> Well, quick, Claudia, because we need to get angry about other stuff. Yeah. So, Claudia Hauschler has said she does not feel like the winner of the race. She thinks Mariana's the winner of the race. She came fifth. And she's actually saying that she feels pretty bloody bad about this. And, you mm. know, she hopes people won't hold it against her. But she was, you know, her team told her to ride and she rode. But what's very interesting is Linda Jackson, who's the founder of, of Team Tibco, put out a statement on their Facebook saying, I've asked the UCI to not to count the points of the final stage. Mm-hmm. This is the woman who runs the team that is benef- that benefiting, in inverted commas, most from this, yeah. is saying, no, we shouldn't benefit. You know, she's, she's not saying that she thinks the team made the wrong decision. She's saying... Yeah. It shouldn't count. You know, Which, she's, she's in, in its all riders' decisions and all in, teams' decisions. Exactly. In its own way, that is actually a form. It's, you know, a, admittedly a lower level of participation, but it is a form of participation in the protest as well because it's acknowledging the protest, it's acknowledging what it was about, and it's refusing to accept benefit as a result of someone else's principled decision. Yeah. You know. And you know, what I and what I've said to the UCI is what are you going to do? You know, we've had as you say, we've this is the third race with traffic in it, mm. you know. Mm. This is the second race that Rabobank and Bowles have pulled out of. It's yep. also I, this is my other question I asked the UCI. When it was the tour of Chongming Island World Cup, Tetiana Ryabchenko won it because the Peloton were misdirected. Yep. And she was solo. Now Ryabchenko may have won anyway. Ben said, Ben Atkins tweeted that Ryabchenko is the luckiest rider in the peloton. She won Chongming because of a mistake. And then she rode the final stage so she got bag loads of UCI points because this is HC. You know, she's like the rider with, you know, accidentally lucky. No disrespect to Ryabchenko. But, you know, that's, it, it's like, it's, it, this should not be happening. Well, I, I mean, I, I understand the, the humour behind that. I, I think there's a significant difference between, you know, an in-race mistake, you know, being misdirected. I mean, as unfortunate and as much as that shouldn't happen, um, I think that's a, a very different thing to, to the protest, though. No, so. no, it would be if it was a one-off, but again, it keeps happening. Mm-hmm. It keeps happening in women's races, and, and we would not accept... Um, Alberto Contador, for example. Okay, say we're taking a Tour de France sprint, and they're coming in. And well, a, you've got to take Alberto Contador out now. <laughs> okay, but say you had Mark. Say you had um, a bunch sprint coming up, and some plucky, plucky desperado who you've never heard of, who's never really performed well, 
gets out and rides, you know, rides solo. And, and then in the last 3K, the peloton, which is charging down long flat road, you know, flat roads, because they got misdirected onto the wrong side of a, of a moat, of a carriageway, which had concrete bollards. So they had to then go back around the other side. If that happens, can you imagine what Cav would say at the end? <laughs> and it's a world it, Yeah, this it'd be like four minutes. I can, I can actually, I know exactly what Cav would say. It would be four minutes of beep. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah. what we don't know, what we don't know and what we've been asking, and, and what I'd ask is if any of you can think of ways that we as fans can try and do something to help about this. I've emailed, like I said, I've, I've tweeted, I've emailed the user. Did the UCL, no one, rep- God, that's the thing. If I was a member of a football club, if I was following football and something went wrong with my club, I could ring my club, I could go down to my club, I could stand on the doorway, I could do whatever, you know. If it was athletics, I'd know, I'd, I'd feel like I, was get, I could get an answer as a fan. With cycling, Fans are just, we're just disposable. Well, we don't I think, exist. I think, I think, honestly, Occupy Agle <laughs> is the only thing that we've got. You know, I think we all just have to go to Switzerland and camp in the foyer of the UCI headquarters until they take us seriously. Yes. So, number two. Now, moving on from Toscana, the next thing that's bothered, that bugged me was Brian Cookson because Brian Cookson put out a blog on the 13th of, of September. Of, now, there's an interesting thing about Brian Cookson's blogs. You can't link to individual dated blogs. It's just one page with like like massive amounts of text on it. So, you know, if you're looking for this blog, it's the 13th of September. And he was talking about the need to televise the Women's Road World Cups and what his plans are for that. And that's good. But, 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 I was, I'm still, I... Last up, Brian Cookson, he's the head of the UCI's Road Commission. Obviously, Pat McQuaid, he's the head of the UCI, yeah? Mm. Up until just the beginning of this year, um, Cookson was saying things like women can't really have a minimum wage. And, and he said last year in Cycling Weekly that, it, that, that, that coverage is a chicken and egg situation because no one really wants to watch it at the moment, so that's why it's not shown. Bullshit! When we can crash... Um, the Dutch Channel's L1's internet stream from people watching all over the world to watch race coverage in Dutch. Yeah, yeah. When a, when a shonky stream for, um, for, for, for Giro Toscana, you know, for, for Trofeo Binder, gets, can get, get crashed and yeah. inundated people want to watch it. When at least three times as many people watch the BBC coverages of the women's Olympic road race than watch the men's at their peak viewing figures. Yeah. People want, anyway... But yes. so Cookson has got a couple of blogs out, and I was and I wrote on my web on, on on our website that I want to know what's changed Cookson's mind about women's cycling. He was not a fan, and you know we as we know British cycling has not got a good reputation for working with the women. Certainly not not so, from the women themselves, which is you know probably the most telling part. Yeah. You know, so, uh, yeah. I, I found it very interesting because um, you're leading into, I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're leading into the interview that was with him in The Guardian, aren't you? Yeah. Douglas McRae, a Guardian journalist, interviewed Cookson. And, you know, one of the questions I've been asking, which apparently he asked, because I think he, he, said, he said to me on Twitter that he'd read my blog. Yay! Um, <laughs> one of the questions, I'm, I'm so happy. Um, one of the questions he asked was, was, you know, what changed your mind about women's cycling, which he didn't answer. But I was reading this interview with Cookson, okay? I'm going to read it to you, okay? Okay. Um, blah, blah, blah. Um, one of Cookson's key presidential aims to develop women's cycling is undermined by glaring failures in this area in Britain. When Nicole Cook retired this year, she repeated her dissatisfaction with the way British cycling had stymied opportunities for women. Nicole has her point of view on lots of things, and she didn't always see eye to eye with British cycling, Cookson says. But we went out of our way to support her in the best way we could. Elite athletes are interesting, aren't they? They have personalities that are sometimes difficult to handle. And Nicole is one of those people who has a particular view of things which she's absolutely entitled to. Can you translate that for me, Dan? Yes, yes, I can. I'm a privileged old white man and she's a mouthy, young, upstart woman. Listen to me and don't listen to her. She was a difficult person. Therefore, her views are completely invalidated. And as someone said on Twitter... It's very interesting when you look at how men and fe- male and female sports stars are reported. You know, tennis, for example. You know, when a woman grunts, it's unladylike and disgusting on the tennis court and wrong and it's, it's you yeah. know, shit. 
when a man grunts, it signifies how much effort he's putting yeah, into it. Yeah, and raw power and masculinity and engines yeah. and stuff. When a woman, when a woman is a woman is basically, I mean, you know, and, and heaven forbid if you're a black woman, because then you're just uppity. But you know, it's like you know, but if you're if you're a woman, you're uppity and you're difficult. If you're a man, you're passionate and committed to your sport. Anyway. Mm. So I'm going to ask you to translate this for me again, this next bit. So this is the next. It's disconcerting how many other prominent women, Victoria Pendleton, Emma Pooley and Lizzie Armitstead, have also criticised British cycling. That's true. But if you speak to Laura Trott or Joe Rousel, you'll hear another view. Here are the two young girls that I gave jobs to. They think I'm great. I mean, I cannot believe that he's saying Vicky Pendleton, Liz Pooley, uh, Emma Pooley and Lizzie Armitstead... Their whole experience is invalidated by because two girls who are one of who are two of the five or six riders they support are happy. Mm, mm. And you know, Laura, I'm sure she's a lovely girl. She's 19 years old or 20 years old. You know, she's she's she's, she's well, she's she's at the start of a career. You know, her career arc has yet to get even close to its zenith. Yeah. Let alone then, let alone be be crossing it. You know, and and it's not just that, but the people that he's now dismissing out of hand, these are world and Olympic champions. These are, like, people who have already reached the pinnacles of the sport. Yeah, I mean, let's just think about it. So, Vicky Pen, I can't even add how many Olympic and world medals those women have between them. Mm. You know, Vicky Pendleton... Um, did she win two? I think she won two golds at the, um, yep. at the, was it one gold at the Olympic Games last year? But multiple, multiple, multiple gold medals. Emma Pooley, she's a former world ITT champion who came, who got a silver medal in ITT in 2008. Nizzy Armitstead, um, multi, you know, world champion on the track, silver medal in the Olympics last year. Yeah. I mean, just, you, fuck. Anyway, so I just want to read one more thing, okay? Okay. Didn't he and Brailsford miss a trick in not persuading Sky to fund a women's team? You're absolutely right. I pushed very hard for it to happen. But I'm not the only voice, and ultimately you have to go by what Sky want to do and the performance advice at that time. My view is we should be trying a lot of harder to have a women's based team, a women's British based team. And Yep, I can translate that one for you too. Uh, so it goes I stood in the corner and I said really loudly guys should we have a a women's team maybe okay i'll just go over here well you know what there's a lot of things that piss me off about that one thing is that Brailsford had had run a very it wasn't even for a full season but the halfords bike cup team around nicole cook in 2008 came away with the world and olympic gold the first time someone had got that double brackets yes i know you know the olympics is only ever four years but still it's a incredible achievements on two very different courses i can't even remember off the top of my head what else they won in 2008 but that wasn't the only thing mm. in 2009 emma pooley cup wins the world championship itt and emma wins a you know wins rate wins a load wins a load of races yeah in 2010 sky is launched so in t- when they're planning it because they don't just plan it in in off the back of an envelope if he's saying performance advice says we shouldn't have a team sky for women, what performance advice is that? I mean, I, if I I could list you, I mean, I can fuck, I can. can I, this is this I mean, is where I have a, a an alternative theory to yours, and I'm not sure of it. But your your theory obviously is based on athletic performance. My question is: Is it possible that he actually meant from Sky's business performance people, you know, who evaluated the the cost versus return on investment sort of thing or or something yeah, like that but, but, but okay right. i'm not saying but, i agree with it i'm just no, questioning no, if no, that's what I it means i don't understand how like, that can be true because if you look at how for example wiggle honda mm-hmm. this year for, for the start of the year before georgia started her incredible winning streak their results were you know okay I and mean, it's a first year team their results were okay but the amount of press they got and the amount of goodwill and press and information they got was far, far, far outstripped their performance, yeah? And in terms of return on investment, bloody good value. You know, Wiggle were using the, the women riders in their... Wiggle had got very criticised last year because they had an advert which showed, you know, a man going out and doing manly cycling things and he kind of comes home and gets looked after by his wife. And they got rightly criticised for it. 
This year in the Tour de France. Yes, because everybody adverts. knows that no li- no wife in real life is like that. <laughs> oh, and we wonder Cause, why. Because you're not angry wife. enough this week, Sarah. So. <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, that's just like that's just like icing on their shit cake. Yeah. The other thing, you know. Okay. I mean, the other thing. So I'm 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 slightly, and what I'm slightly concerned about is we still haven't heard British cycling's team for the world cup world championships but bearing in mind we didn't send any female riders to the european and the junior yeah. european championships under 23 and juniors and the junior world junior junior european junior world championships i'm slightly concerned that we might not even bother sending women elite riders we've got six potential places let's see how many of those we fill Crazy. the other thing that i'm angry about is paracycling and i've been quite angry about paracycling for a while but you know, in the context of the debate, if we think women get a raw deal, paracyclists a thousand times worse. Shit. Guess how many world level events there were for track paracyclists this year? I'm going to go out on a limb and say one. Less. Half. Less. A quarter. None, none, none. Guess how many? Guess how many World Cups and World Championships and World Level events are on the calendar for 2014? I'm going to go out on a limb here and say one. Less. Half. None. What? If you're a paracycling track, and now it's interesting, and, and and one of the issues here is about where you can ride tracks because you know the, the track is a different thing. But Canada put on a um, there've been a number of road paracycling World Cups all year, and Canada put on a really brilliant uh, road World Cup, and then a couple of year, weeks later put on the World Road World Paracycling Champs in Bike or Mo. I'm so sorry about my accent, but Canada don't have a competition level velodrome. Okay. So they can't do track. However, let's think about paracycling nation. You know, the USA, for example, big strong paracycling nation. But I'm not sure the LA Velodrome is actually competition level. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. Let's let's think of nations that have competition level velodromes. The Netherlands, Britain's got three. Australia. Now let's think of nations that were really strong in the paracycling in Paris Paralympics track. Oh, Netherlands, Great Britain. Australia. Mm. It, it seems to me like maybe we could get together our three countries, our three fine nations, and you know, organise a couple of races. You know what? I mean, what this and this really upsets me. And, and I was so I was asking about this on Twitter because I'm really angry about this. And and what's interesting is some really amazing paracycling champions were like tweeting me back and, and telling me about it. So Jennifer Schubel from the USA and Jody mm-hmm. Cundy. I mean Jody Cundy is this media star. I don't know if you saw his meltdown on um, where he basically um, threw his bike and had a massive fit because of of being of, of having a false start. Um, I don't know. And, Throughout the Paralympics, we had the the show The Last Leg, which was hosted by um, um, Adam Hills. Adam, Adam Hills, who's an Aussie, an Aussie, an Aussie comedian, and it's basically, um, it's basically, uh, <laughs> um, you know, a couple. It's I, I can't remember their names. I'm so sorry, but basically, it's uh, Adam Adam Hills. Is he's got a partial. Um, he's missing part of a leg. Yeah, he's I'm partial amputee. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and so, you know, they had this very, very funny comedy show that was looking at, like, the lighter side of the Paralympics. And they made Jodie, you know, Jodie Cundy was a bit of a hero anyway, and they just made him even more of a hero. <laughs> yeah, and, and so here's what's, hap- here's what's behind the, pa- the lack of paracycling, yeah? Paracycling. I mean, one thing is that apparently paracycling track worlds are on a two-year schedule and the Olympics counts as it. And I don't agree with that. I don't understand why paracycling road has a one, you know, is every year. The other thing I don't understand is why it's easier to put on a road champs than a than a than a than a than a track champs because you know roads you have to deal with road closures and shit hmm. and and an extra cost like that. Velodromes, they're there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but then, so what? What upsets me about this is we've got people in Britain. We had this huge thing about the Paralympics. They were, for many people, they were better than the Olympics. The coverage was amazing with Claire Balding and. Uh, um, 
and I can't remember how his name, Addy, oh God, I can picture you, but I've forgotten your surname, I'm so sorry, um, did the coverage, and it was so good and so wonderful, and it wasn't mawkish, oh, look at the well-performing cripples, it was, holy fucking shit, what amazing athletes, you know, what talent, what interesting personalities, you know, all the backstory of, you know, yeah, I got my legs blown off in um, in the London bombings, and now I'm a so I so I so I've moved to so I've moved mm-hmm. to to athletic, you know and now I'm competing in the Paralympics, you know yeah, like yeah. people all this whole range of people who yeah my mum basically fought to you know fought you know fought all the way through her pregnancy and all the way through my childhood to help bring me up and she's my biggest support and I love her through to squaddies who 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 you know who'd lost limbs in serving you know serving in Iraq or whatever you know what I mean these yeah, are like yeah fuck amazing just, and uplifting stories is what they are yeah yeah. And amazing and, and amazing athletics performances where you're just watching it as a sports fan going, wow, you know, I mean, oh, Jesus, the, 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 the blind and visually impaired tandem sprinting. You're sprinting on a tandem. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, my God. So what we're saying to people, what, what the UCI is saying to, to, to these amazing cyclists is you can't have any national level competitions international level competitions what that means is someone like Jody Cundy can't compete against other athletes he can't check his performance against international athletes and he can't you know he can't do the stuff that gives you the basic motivation you know every he's got this choice basically between having an ordinary life where he can go to the pub with his mates he can i don't know shag groupies for all i know i'm sure he doesn't. he's a lovely guy you know so no, not that there's anything oh, whatever um, <laughs> morality you know, stumble do, morality stumble <laughs> he could be he could do all sorts of things you know but mm. he's choosing to carry on competing you know pro cyclists give up so much they give up a normal life they get all sorts of things but they give it up for these rewards and these are rewards we're not giving to the paracyclists yeah anyway so i'm a bit angry about that so but I'm, you know I'm not I, so, I but you know what these haven't you. been asked none no this question hasn't been asked to any of the uci candidates you know i'm so happy the little um cookson um was referencing the le movement to get um a woman's tour de france and they've announced their manifesto which explains other things that they're demanding which we'll talk about over the winter i'm sure but it's you know no one's even talking about the paracyclists they're going why why am i a cycling fan you know why am i why am i doing homemade media for a sport that is just so difficult to love at the moment you know what's the only thing that you know what you know you're a rider and you're racing on the roads and there's a car and you suddenly there's a car in your race you're a paracyclist and you've got no chance to compete and no one gives a fuck Mm. So, so there's been there's been a out. bit to be angry about this week. So, um, yeah. I, I pose this question, possibly as an answer to your previous question, which I know is rude to answer a question with a question, but has there been anything this week that you've liked? There has been loads, and this is yeah, and I feel quite guilty about focusing on the negatives, but actually I think it was important to this week because there's so much to talk about. Yeah, yeah. we had the uh, the Rajna. I can't say it. I want to say the Rajna Mugab, but that's completely wrong. Yeah, but the um, the, the Ra- Irish Irish race, isn't it? The Rajna Mugab. It just it does tell you how to pronounce it on the website. Yeah. I just don't have it open. Um, we had um, Ellen Van Dyke destroyed the Krona Champenois ITT, the last standalone ITT before the Worlds. You know, if you have bet money on anyone else for winning the Worlds ITT, be afraid. Be very, very, very <laughs> yeah, afraid. Yeah. Um, be, be prepared to never see that money again. So It was the, hmm. it was the mountain bike world championships and that was just... Oh, I've put a post up with links to the photos and I love photos anyway, but these photos of golden light. Um, your friend Ian had the best description of mountain bikers ever. <laughs> what did she describe them as? Oh, uh, this is this is actually my bad because I was meant to have this open early and I completely forgot about this link. But it, uh, well, what, I what did she, she, she described it as something like tousle haired, morning tousle haired, morning beer drinking forest elves yeah exactly it was something like that yeah it was um yeah it was very charming 
Uh, and yeah. but that's what it's like, you know the, the whole the whole lifestyle mo- moment of of the mountain bikers, especially the downhillers, who just radiate complete happiness. That that you know what they want to do is ride their bikes all around the world down some really crazy gnarly courses that might that are trying to kill them. Yeah, and yeah. someone's paying them to do this. Oh, craziness. Craziness. So, you know, um, and then there was there was loads of other things. I've loved Helen Wyman's cyclocross diaries, her 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 raiding party on the USA cycling um, uh, scene. Cyclocross scene has done quite well. She's ridden two races and won two races. She's got video diaries up. I'll put links to all the happy things because there were happy things, and I don't want to take away from that. Excellent. And next, and we start off with the worlds this week. Specialized Lululemon are going to destroy the team time trial, <laughs> but Oregon are going to be really bloody good at it cool and yes next week we'll tell you all about that and we'll tell you about the worlds and hopefully i won't have died and we'll give you all the answers that the uci has sent us in the meantime yes (laughs) yes that part probably won't take long but (laughs) we'll find other stuff to talk about um and and just quickly um the gold coast festival of cycling is coming up in uh september if you're based on the gold coast in australia uh they're including an elite women's uh crit in in the day of criterium racing uh at the moment there's only three entrants so if you want to try your hand at racing uh i would suggest that you enter Yes. Do not, by any chance, I have seen on Twitter some people suggest that this is because women in Australia don't really want to race that much and are a bit rubbish because they're always calling for races and they don't get to race. However, I would say that getting to the Gold Coast from all the other major city, all the other major, you know, major habitated parts of Australia is, um, how would you describe it? Oh, uh, you know, if you're willing to actually go to Brisbane, it's not that hard. Although, you know, and they do have their own airport. Yeah. But, you know, getting to the Gold Coast from, for example, say, Perth, it's probably easier to go to Thailand. Yeah, so what I'm saying is, yes, 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 please enter it, but please don't think badly of any women cyclists who can't make it there, because it is, you know, unless you're in Brisbane, it is a long way away. Yes, yes, it is. A vast country. And on that note, from this vast country to that tiny island nation in the north, I bid you farewell, Sarah. Thank you for putting us up with us this week and have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.